What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Again, I'm grateful to be here with you. As always, my name is Caleb Rutherford, and I'm the host of this Transform podcast here on the Scattered Abroad Network. And it's always a joy, always a pleasure and honor to be able to sit down with each of you and to open up the Word of God and to study from it. Today, we are in our part two of two, as we are continuing in 2 Peter chapter 1, specifically, why specifically such a hard word to say, specifically here in verse 7, talking about this idea of brotherly kindness. And again, last week, you remember how we talked about this word should really be better translated as the word brotherly love. Again, coming from that Greek word phileo, talking about the brotherly love, not necessarily uh, the love that we have for the world around us and mankind around us. And again, we're going to get to that next week as we open up a study of the last Christian grace um, here in Second Peter chapter 1. But specifically today, we're talking about this love that is for our brethren. And we kicked off last week by looking at a couple of passages, how important it is to make sure that we are doing all that we can to humble ourselves and to look at other people in a way that we can help them. Um, Today, I want to begin by looking, again, we're going to look at, I think, three or four more passages that talk about this idea here. Um, but I want to begin by opening up and reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I don't know if you're in a position where you can open up uh, the word of uh, your copy of the Word of God. Maybe you're driving or something and you can't. That's okay. I'm going to read this. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we talk about specifically this idea here of unity. And Paul is writing to his first letter to the church at Corinth. Remember, Corinth was a congregation filled with a lot of issues, a lot of uh, just a lot of trouble and strife in this particular congregation. But notice what he says here, beginning of first, first Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That therefore should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice uh, with it. Now, as we continue thinking here... um, as, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's, it's important to understand, again, context of this is unity in the body of Christ. Specifically, they were talking about spiritual gifts at this point um, because the, the brethren there had so much trouble um, thinking that someone was better or greater because of their spiritual gifts. Now, obviously, we don't have those more, anymore today, but 
uh, we can still draw, I think, one main principle, and that is this idea of seeing the value of our brothers and sisters, seeing the value of our brethren. And I say all that because, notice again back in verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. We have to understand that every single person, every single person has value and has a place within the Lord's church. Again, it all goes back to this idea of brotherly love. Am I willing to see the importance of my brethren and see their value that they bring to the table? Am I able to look at the people around me, the brethren around me, and see this is what they can accomplish, this is what they can do for the good of the kingdom? Am I willing to see that? Sometimes I think we blind ourselves to that, don't we? And I think sometimes maybe we do that just to try to make us feel better. Maybe we are not putting forth the effort that we should be. And maybe somebody else is, and we think, ha, look at those people over there being what we might call overachievers. No, don't think like that. They should be, they're an example to you of how you should be acting. Don't blind yourself to other people and their th the things that they are accomplishing for God just because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You see, until we see the value of others, of our brethren, and then we're never going to reach our own full potential for Christ. Here's another passage, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, beginning of verse three. And I think when we reach this passage, we, we focus so much on Christ. And again, rightly so. But I think we have to back up and understand exactly what is being said before. Notice back in verse three of Philippians chapter two, let nothing be done through selfish ambition um, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse four, let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, I have to be willing to humble my pride, don't I? That, that's, again, that's what brotherly love boils down to. That I'm willing to give preference to my brothers and sisters. I'm willing to see how truly small I am. I'm able to help them with their spiritual burdens just as I would want them to do for and to do to me. I want to go back to an Old Testament passage. I want to see an example of this. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, um, there in verse 1, you remember David and Jonathan were the best of friends. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible tells us that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That They had that bond, didn't they? They had that, that connection, that phileo brotherly love. But unfortunately, Jonathan and his father have passed away. And you remember the relationship between Saul and David. It, it, it was hatred, strife. It, 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 was, it, it was terrible. And yet David begins to wonder about the family. Notice in verse 1, 2 Samuel 9 and verse 1, now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? But, but David, Saul mistreated you. Saul tried, tried to kill you. He chased you. He made your life horrible and miserable. He's done just about every evil and horrible thing to you, and you want to do what? You want to show him kindness? You see, David knew exactly what it meant to show brotherly kindness, didn't he? D despite the circumstances, despite the past, David was going to treat them right. 
And I certainly hope that that resonates within us. The idea that when, when we look at our brethren, I hope that we see the opportunity to showcase our brotherly kindness. Another passage from the Old Testament, I think about Genesis chapter 13. Uh, when, when we read this passage, we, we read a lot about uh, Abraham and Lot. And how you remember in Genesis 13, they are looking to uh, really for places to settle down. And in verse 2, we remember we read about Abraham being very wealthy, having lots of possessions. Verse 5, Lot himself also had many possessions, and they find a problem among them here in verse 6. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. They both have so many things. Their, their possessions, their, their cattle, their families, all the things they own are so great that they're running out of room, which leads to verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herds, herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Abraham understood the situation. There was strife. There was bickering. There was fighting. He knows it's not good. Something bad and terrible is probably about to happen. And so that brings us to verse 8. And when the Bible says that Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Abraham says, Look, Lot, I'm going to show you brotherly kindness, right? I'm going to show you brotherly love. You pick the lane that you want to settle in, and I'll go the other way. I'm going to give you preference. I'm going to honor you and allow you to do that which you want to do, and then I'll follow in behind because I want you to succeed. I want you to be okay. You see, that's the reasoning behind it. The reasoning behind it is what strikes us in the face. For we are brethren. When it comes to us as Christians— Regardless of what congregation you find yourself a part of, we are a family. We are brethren. And if there is strife, if there is fighting, it does no good in unifying, but only dividing. And if you think about you as an individual, if you are not being a part of the solution, then you are a part of the problem. If you are a part, if you are being someone who is not unifying, then the only other option out there is the fact that you are dividing. We need to be willing to step in and to allow our brotherly kindness to take the reins. I'm going to give you preference. I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that you are in the best po possible position. Why? Because we are brethren and because we have a brotherly kindness for one another. I have thoroughly enjoyed this study here of this particular section in the Christian Gracious, talking about brotherly kindness. I hope that you have as well. I hope it's been beneficial and good for you. Next week, we have an opportunity to look at the very last Christian grace, the word love. We're going to split that again, part one and part two. Then after that, we're going to ask the question, why? Why was this study important? Why was it necessary? Why is it important for you and I to make sure that we live the right kind of life that we're supposed to live as a Christian, as it encompasses all of these Christian graces? But then we have a few more episodes left after that. Um, we we're going to bring in some guests. We're going to look at uh, perhaps some other perspectives on this particular passage and why it's so important to make sure that we live Christian and godly lives. Again, I hope this has been beneficial to you. I encourage you to go check out the Scattered Abroad Network and all of the other podcasts that are available there. Uh, look at our website, scatteredabroad.org. Think about all the things uh, that we have to offer. And if they're beneficial and helpful to you, please reach out, let us know, or leave us a rating or review 
on whatever podcast platform it is that you find yourself. Thank you so much again. As always, looking forward to seeing you next week. May God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.